This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. If you can learn to work and play, and get along with each other. Welcome everybody to Wednesday War Games episode 4. If you notice, I called it Wednesday War Games that time, which I did not on the last two episodes. I just called it Wednesday Night Wars. Liam, I don't know the name of our podcast. Way to stay on brand. I'm, I'm bad at branding. I'm bad with consistencies. I'm the J.R. of this podcast is what I'm saying. I was about to say, are you the chief brandy officer? I wish. I wish I put my hand in your face and told you not to touch me. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Some weird things on these shows. How are you doing, Liam? You're very warm. Unlike last week where you are giving out about being cold, now you're like, it's 35 degrees, why is it so warm? It's almost like Australia is a bipolar country full of different weathers. Weathers? Temperatures. You have plenty of weathers. We have so many weathers. We weather the weather, whatever the weather. Uh, so 35 degrees Celsius is 95 Fahrenheit for our American listeners who can't convert to other temperatures in their head and don't okay, understand. It's quite warm and uncomfortable. Yeah, whereas it's uh, relatively cold here. It's kind of mild, though. I'm okay. Give me the exact temperature. I don't Come know on. the exact temperature. Do you think I'm a walking thermostat? You don't have your phone ready to go next to you at all times? It's apparently 13 degrees. It feels a little colder than 13 degrees. I would have said it feels it feels like a 9 are you saying it's humid? Isn't that the what's the what's the opposite of humidity? Uh, cool. <laughs> what's the humidity? Brisk. Actually, though, no, there's a very good Maro humidity quote on this show. But we'll That's what that. I was alluding to. <laughs> All right. All right. As usual, we have NXT and AEW. Uh, last week, uh, NXT won, so we will start. Oh no, AEW won. What a swerve! Speaking of swerves, there's what multiple. What a shocking thing. There's there's multiple swerves on NXT this week, but again, we'll get to that in the back half of the show because AEW. Isaiah Swerve Scott. That's again what I was exactly referring to. Sure. All we're here to do is stomp on each other's jokes. <laughs> yes, and just snipe at each other for an hour, and then eventually say, "Well, AEW is a television show." That's yeah. That is how we end all of these shows. That is our classic catchphrase. All Elite Wrestling Dynamite on TNT began with the semi-final tournament uh, matchup between the Lucha Bros and Private Party. It started in the ring, which I really liked. I like when wrestling shows mess with their format in a way that makes them a little different and stand out a little bit more. So it's not just, you know, the, the exact same opens with a video package, then goes to the ring, then somebody cuts a promo, then they make them an event for the main, uh, for the end of the show, then they go to their opening match. Like, that's the, the way Raw has opened more often than not every week for the last, like, I don't know, 75 years. Whereas AW, just straight in the ring, private party, Lucha Bros, let's get at it. It really threw me off. I was like, oh no, have I clicked some ahead in the video somehow? What's going on? I was very confused and confuddled by it, which really shows that maybe things should be changed up. Yeah, uh, it is remarkable that that even that mild tweak of format, that they just get straight to the action, an actual cold open, as opposed to the cold opens they put on YouTube, that are not cold opens, they just get straight into it. What a match it was. It was. I, I likened Private Party... To the Spanish announced team, the SATs, the Jose and Joel Maximo, I, 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 I especially because they're amazing red trainees from House of Glory. I think that that comparison lands because this match was a great match that felt like it was on the verge of falling apart at any moment. Yeah, it was. 
It was the epitome of the term car crash. Yeah, because the Lucha Bros have that kind of frenetic energy, but they're usually pretty polished. You know, usually it's a big crescendo. And Private Party have that exact same energy, except every so often... It, it does look like it's about to fly off the rails. This match, it didn't fly off the rails. I saw some people like, like this match, I don't think will land with everybody because it is sloppy in places, but it's kind of that chaotic, fun sloppy. But uh, people will probably get mad at the sloppiness. But it's the freaking Lucha Bros and Private Party, the Torto House down. And I, I think very right result, Private Party aren't ready to win the tag titles. And I think Lucha Bros probably are. I'd put those belts on the Lucha Bros, but Lucha Bros advance in a really good opener. This was like stupid and fun and I loved it and mm. it's all I want. I just want people doing dumb flips that don't make sense. I want Phoenix stomping heads in and I want JR to not know half the people in the match. That's just the ideal scenario for AEW openers. JR was so not like he was bad on this show as as we flip flop between good JR and JR. It was his week JR. off. But God in this match was he absolutely unbearable. There was two matches on this show where JR couldn't contain his vitriol towards the match as it was happening. The, the, like, there was a period in this match where JR went in like a mini... It was like two or three minutes in. And he, he was like ranting about how they're only doing moves. They're not trying to string it together to win. And I'm like, this. what are you even talking about? We're three minutes into the match. Why are you burying this already? It's He's such a weird commentator. He, he literally does take a week off, and then he, and he's good the next week, and then he'll take a week off. I don't know what it is. I feel like he, he like they they pull him aside every every week and say, "Look, Jr., you you gotta you gotta get it together. You gotta you gotta get your act together." And then he'll get his act together, and everyone will be like, "Oh, Jr. is fine. We don't need to pull him aside this week." And then he'll be terrible. And we work on that cycle. I think every second week until he's eventually hopefully removed from commentary. I was about to ask, how long do you think JR lasts? Do you think he'll make a full calendar year on commentary? Uh, full calendar year? No. Like, you, I'm not one of these people who is like, there's no role for JR on the show. Make him the announcer for world championship matches. It's that simple. He adds gravitas. He can, he can he be adds- a backstage guy. I have no problem with him taking... Like, I have no problem with JR taking a role in any way. It's just... I, th- I, I, th- I think they want him in front of... Ha- I, I understand wanting JR in front of the audience, you know? Yeah, I get that. He, he is a star. People know who he is. He, he does lend credibility, but he undermines that credibility he lends by burying everything. He was so bad in the show. Like, you could almost palpably hear Excalibur's frustration with him in the show. Well, there was one Tony Schiavone interaction where Shivani's like, well, I learn something every week. And JR's like, yeah, me too. And like the 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 follow up to that interaction is Tony's like no no I'm serious and Jr's like so am I. <laughs> it's so like what is going on with these? I thought I thought like Tony was a moderating influence on Jr. That like Tony's just there for a good time and it's kind of like charming. It's like mm. he's he's chuckling and laughing to himself and uh, it's like he's not burying anything and like even as Jr. was like why aren't they tagging in and out why aren't they tagging in and out Jr. Uh, Tony's like oh well you know Lucha rules that's what the Lucha Bros are used to they, they, they it's, it's adjustment and then he was offended by even <laughs> the idea that they have a tag match without tags so Tony tried to be a professional and cover for something and then Jr. buried Tony too <laughs> perhaps Jr.'s had too much of the coffee again. He's been drinking an awful lot of that coffee. But a very good opening match, won by the Lucha Bros. I said, I think that's the right call. You need to have the Lucha Bros in the finals. Yeah. 
And what what like intelligent and great and awesome podcast would have predicted this finals? Uh, well, I don't know, pretty much everybody, because they've been building to the finals for three weeks. I'm trying to give us credibility, and you're undermining me. <laughs> Listen, that's that's the, that's our relationship, though. That's that's part of our charm. Uh, so I'm I'm Tony Giovanni, and you're Jr. Is what you're saying? I'll accept that role. Who's Alex Caliber? Uh, I don't know. Our listeners, the I fans. guess. Fans, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the people who listen to us are much better than the people talking. I don't doubt it. We got a, a Ward, Ward, Wardlow, is that how you say Wardlow. his name? Wardlow. Wardlow, a video package, which is, we, we had one of those on All Out as well, didn't we? Yeah, um, all I know is he's like a friend of Brits, mm. and he works warrior wrestling. I, for, I forgot that All Out video package happened, so when there was one on this show, I was like, oh yeah! I haven't seen anything about him, but I heard that like multiple companies wanted him, mm. so that's a good sign? I... I don't remember what this vignette was. He said some stuff, but... Did he say stuff? I thought he was just putting weights and then lifting up the weights. Was he just looking mean? Alright, he might have been just looking mean. It shows how much this, this, video, mean. He, this video package landed with me that I'm like, uh, what did it do? I just remember going, oh yeah, him. I forgot they signed that guy. Mm. The other tag title tournament semi-final, the SEU, defeated the Dark Order, thank goodness. Uh, the most notable thing about this match was Inner Circle appearing in the crowd. And uh, I don't want to talk about it yet because it's we're still at the match. But like, my God, what a segment! Mm, yeah, we'll we'll get to the full inner circle segment because we have what two matches to talk about first. But yeah, I was back and forth on this match. There was parts of it that I was like, yeah, and then it kind of dragged a bit. But then the end kind of got me back again. So mm. I I, th- I think they they put the inner circle out there at the wrong time because it was. It was odd of them to put it right after the other tag match, which was just 100 miles an hour. Yeah, and uh, like even when Inner Circle walked out in this match, it was just as Kaz was making his hot tag comeback. It's like, you couldn't have put him out there before the break while they were just beating them up? Way to shit on this match by having them come out. Like, it really put, like, oh, this match actually doesn't matter that much. Focus on the real story. I will I will say it's kind of like a smart workaround to how, like, not over the Dark Order were. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Dark? Do you think they're going to repackage Dark Order, or do you think they're just going to try and stick to this until? Like they've cycled them down because I I have very little doubt that the Dark Order would have been like a more prominent team on this show had they not colossally flopped every time they've been on t- on television or on pay per view. Mm. So like they have pushed them down the pecking order, and it's like Stu Grayson's real good. Stu Grayson was real good in this match. It's a shame, but like they're they're just it's a, the act is dead. The act has been dead from the second they showed up on television, and it's not gotten any better. I know I've said it literally every podcast, but they need to be rebranded back to the Super Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah, just have someone kick them in the head, and then they like video games. There you go. Yeah, it's like you have being the elite, which is the perfect place to explain this and change it. Just have someone just randomly unmask them, and then the other masks underneath. <laughs> A real sting moment. Yeah. Oh, Excalibur in this match. I really like this little touch that he was like, the Dark Order suddenly, they, they were one of the, the hottest teams in the world for a while, and then they suddenly disappeared and then reemerged as this. I really liked him that, like taking their visa disappearance and like molding it into the story of the characters. Excalibur is a good announcer. As much as like the Dark Order stuff has flopped, I do like the motivation of the characters where they're talking about, hey, you guys forgot us. We were like your indie darlings and then you gave up on us. I, I like the actual motivation for the characters, even if it didn't work. If they weren't, like, spooky weirdos, I think that would work way better. If they were just, like, kind of bitter, angry people, 
who were doing they that were just exact same thing. video game nerds. Yeah, who were just mad that the world left them behind instead of just being like, we're spooky weirdos who sit on our cult people who seem to have disappeared. Uh, what if... Alright. What if they change the characters so they just become angry gamers? Well, that's, that's certainly a genre of people these days. And they just, like... They come out, their name is, like, Gamergate or something. <laughs> they complain about the women's division being pushed. They're like, that Fallout 76 subscription package is lame. That game is broken. Oh, they should bury WE2K. That's all they should do. But that would make them huge baby faces. That's true. Apparently they you aired... have to have them bury good games. Apparently they aired a WE2K ad during NXT during one of the breaks uh, last night, and they just booed it. The crowd just booed really? the game. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, SEU advanced the finals next week uh, on Dynamite will be SEU against the Lucha Bros, in which I'll probably say Lucha Bros should win. Yeah, uh, I think obviously the Lucha Bros should win. But then I'm curious as to what they do at full gear. I, I was, what I was thinking was they would have the Lucha Bros beat Kaz and Scorpio Sky and then bring Daniels back to do Lucha Bros against Bad Influence at full gear, but they... They gave a timeline of six to eight weeks for Daniels, so that seems unlikely. This is what's really interesting about AEW is just we're like three weeks away from full gear. Mm-hmm. And we have the top three matches, and we're kind of trying to fill it out ourselves from that. And, of course, um, Hagar, what he'll be doing after he wins in Bellator. Sure, 100% that he'll definitely beat whatever schlub they put in front of him. All I know is that the schlub's last name is Garrett. Oh, well, I will happily be beaten up by Jake Hager. You take the dive. Yeah, for the for the the good of AEW, I will take the fall. For the undefeated MMA, we do have a uh, Pac uh, or Hangman Page even made the challenge to Pac after the show as well, so that matches for full gear as well. Oh, I didn't see that. So there we go. That was that was exclusive to Fight TV. If you watched past oh. the end of the show, well, that makes me wonder if um, it'll be Dustin Rhodes versus Hagar because mm. we thought maybe it'd be Hagar and Page. It probably doesn't Rhodes or Joe Janela. Not Joe Why, Janela, Janela. Darby Allen. Good God. Ah. I, I had Janela on like... the mind to set up this segue to Kenny Omega against Joe Janela. There we go. I re- what I really liked about... I, th- this match was whatever. Like, it was cool spots. Whatever. But the thing that actually stood out to me was when Kenny was making his entrance. And Jericho had been joking around the whole time. But as soon as Kenny came out, he was, like, dead serious. Angry Jericho. I really liked that, like, subtle touch. Like, oh, man, an actual world beater is here. I have to actually... I'm watching this guy. Like, he's got, also got to put his mean face on. Yeah. He's got to... He's got to... Oh, I forgot exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I got Jer- Jericho's face literally popped into my head as I was going to say something, and it distracted me to the point where I couldn't say it anymore. It's he's just Once he's gotten rid of the beard, he's too pretty now. It's It's distracting. Pretty boy Jericho. I do really like, people buried the Kip Sabian against Hangman Page match at whatever the show that was at. That was at uh, Fight for the Fallen. Fighter Fest? Nope. <laughs> Fight for the Fallen? Yep. <laughs> like, people buried that match. And, like, I find it really interesting. Like, they've done that match format a couple of times now. Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela was that exact same idea, where, like, an undercard guy goes toe to toe with a star and loses. Darby Allen against Chris Jericho last week, and also Darby Allen against Cody Rhodes, was that exact same idea where he goes toe-to-toe with a main eventer and loses. Sammy Guevara against Cody was that exact same idea where he goes to, where Sammy goes toe-to-toe with Cody and loses. And, like, in every other instance that they've done this, it's worked. You know, Sammy and 
Darby and Janela all came out of those matches better than they went in. And it just happens, Kip Sabian is kind of terrible. Where to kick a man while he's down with a broken finger? Yeah. Also, I think that didn't help from the fact that it was Hangman. Also, yeah, like uh, it... my, my other half of that point is also Hangman isn't Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, or Chris Jericho. And he's not even close. No, he is his own... He's his own work in um, progress. Mm. Like, Kenny Omega is a finished product. A Cody is a finished product. A Hangman is indevelopmental. Oh, I like this match. I like this match a lot. I thought this was a really good... I thought, Honestly, I think I preferred this to their dark match. Really? I, well, the dark match was, like, cool stuff, but it was too long. It was, like, a... Twi- I thought this was too long. This was 13 minutes. Yeah, it was still too long. I, I, I like this match. I thought this was a good, solid match where Joey... I, I thought Joey gained more from this than he gained from the dark match. Well, yeah, but if they had have had that dark match on Dynamite, I would disagree completely. Well, yeah, we probably would have gotten a better crowd reaction as well, but that's not the way it's been, has it? Cody, oh, we got the best segment on the show. Probably the best segment in AEW history. This segment ruled. I've watched it multiple times since. Cody comes out to do an interview with Tony Schiavone, and he has, apparently they have an announcement to make. They don't end up making whatever that announcement is. But he's repeatedly interrupted by the inner circle blowing air horns into their microphone. Blowing air horns poorly. Yes. It's like they blow it once and then Cody tries to continue to talk. And they they blow it like two or three times and then Cody tries to continue to talk. And then Tony's like, Tony, I don't even think acknowledges that it's inner circle. He just looks out into the crowd. He's like, come on, guys, we have to do an interview here. (laughs) Tony's just such a sweetheart. He's just, come on, please. Eventually, Chris Jericho picks up a microphone and they banter back and forward. And Cody's like, oh, I'll fight you. And Jericho's like, oh, you and what army? And then Dustin Rhodes comes out to a ginormous reaction. And everyone's like, oh, it's the Rhodes brothers. And then MJF comes out to an even bigger reaction again. Like, MJF gets a bigger reaction. If, if someone on Monday Night Raw got the reaction MJF got on this show, they'd be like, oh, we got to push him to the moon. He's the next coming of Steve Austin. Hmm. <laughs> And Just then, because no one gets a reaction on the main roster. That's that's exactly the problem. And then, bigger again, Diamond Dallas Page joins Team Cody to the biggest reaction probably of the night as all four, if this isn't an eight-man tag match next week, by the way, I will be furious. I don't think DDP will be working a match on AEW Dynamite. He can just pop in and hit a diamond cutter. He doesn't have to take bumps. He can do the, um, the Arn Anderson spot. Yeah. From... All out. I forgot the major show. Yeah, he can pop in, he can hit a few clotheslines, hit a couple diamond cutters, someone can like tackle him to the floor, and then everyone else can cover for him. Alright, I'm, okay, I'm in. You convinced me. Uh, uh, all, Cody's army charges up the ramp, or up into the crowd. Cody's army. Yes, the, 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 uh, the Nightmare Family. That is not their stable name, they have a name, Garrett. Yeah, what, is it Nightmare Family? It is the Nightmare Family. The Nightmare family charge up the steps, but Jericho is, is very cunning. He locks himself into the private booth. Cody- yeah, you're forgetting one great bit, though. Like, as they're walking up, he's like, one more st- uh, no, one, no, one more... Uh, and then he just goes, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> and he runs behind the door. Chris Jericho's the best. Like, legitimately, he's just the best performer in pro wrestling. Like, give him anything, and he'll make it work. Yeah. He's, he's so good. I also love that, like, he's just kind of this old guy hanging out with the rebellious kids yeah and the idea of like he's calling cody millennial while having sammy guevara next to him 
You stupid millennial piece of crap. And there's Sammy there, like, sticking his tongue out all over the place. With no shirt. Uh, so Cody, uh, Jericho locks himself behind the door. Cody wraps his fist in MJF's scarf, which I'm... This is a really big sacrifice from MJF. And Cody... Oh, he has many. But he, he doesn't want to... He doesn't want to crease his scarves. Come on. But my favorite thing about that was, like, after Jericho had besmirched the scarf... As MJF was making his entrance, it was the scarf that came back to bite him. That yeah. is storytelling. This is this the people say AEW doesn't have storytelling, Liam. This is the kind of deep lore that AEW layers into their show. What a just a remarkable segment all around, and we're not even done yet. Yeah, Cody punches the glass door with uh, MJF scarf covering his fist, and then opens the door, and a big wacky concession brawl ensues, in which Chris Jericho's like waving his ticket around, saying, "I have a ticket, I have a ticket," crying on the floor <laughs> while Cody's beating him up, <laughs> and, and then licking the ticket and slapping it on his forehead to his head. Yes. He's uh, the best. Well, like, uh, how could how have we been deprived of this Chris Jericho for so long? Uh, the pain maker. I love him so. <laughs> Cody and Chris Jericho is the biggest match in wrestling in like forever. What a weird reality we live in. Yeah, when that match was announced, people were like, Cody and Jericho, ugh. If you watch AEW Dynamite and you're not like, I desperately want to see Cody against Chris Jericho, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You know what's, um, friend of the show, Big K Nash, Mm -hmm. was not a fan of this segment. Why not? I believe his problem with it was that why would Jericho have a mic... And that it was unrealistic. Keys Le Champion. Do, do you think there is any instance in which Chris Jericho doesn't have a microphone? I think Chris Jericho has a microphone firmly taped to him at all times <laughs> in case he needs to talk. He's Le Champion. He has those kind maybe of Maybe he had the microphone in order to film talk as Jericho in the room. Or maybe he knew Cody was coming out there and he got himself a oh. microphone. I believe he also said, like, why didn't Cody just, like, tell the truck to cut him off? Because that would make Cody look like a bitch. Yeah, he can't handle the banter. Cody is not a man who can't, can't handle, handle the banter. Is, is that somehow a pivot to best friends against Young Bucks? People who don't like Orange Cassidy can't handle the banter. That's true. Uh, Young Bucks beat best friends in a solid match. It wasn't particularly great. I think the, the last two or three minutes was real good, but the rest was like, yeah, right, it's there. JR cannot hide his disdain for Orange Cassidy yeah. at all. Because Orange Cassidy did his like slow motion like kicks, which like the most didn't sell. But Excalibur was like, you know, Excalibur was making the most of it, or Excalibur wasn't burying the man's gimmick. And then JR was like, ah, oh, blah, 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 cranky old what man. What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? <sighs> Just have fun, old man. Yeah. Especially, it's also got my favorite Excalibur line of the night, where both Tony and JR were giving him shit for the words he used, to which he replied, Hey man, words exist for a reason. <laughs> he said laconic, uh, which they, they apparently took great umbrage to. Slothish laconic. And they were like, oh, you can't use such words. But Bucks win, as they should. They gotta get those numbers up. 
Yeah, that this is basically give the Bucks a win and have them accept the challenge. That's simple as. And have a, a pretty good TV match, not a great TV match. I'm looking forward to that match, and I imagine LAX win and then go on to face Lucha Brothers? Yeah. That's too far in the, in the future. Reigniting their year-long, or well, not year-long, it was more like a four-month-long feud and impact. Oh, yeah. Those matches were good. Forgot yeah. about them. They were pretty good. Britt Breaker got a gigantic hometown reaction as she Brits faced... Britt Spurk. Britt Spurk. Debuting Jamie Hayter. I think this is the best Britt has looked in AEW. That's because Jamie Hayter was really good in this match. Jamie, like, in fairness, she had a, a, a good hometown baby face to work off of, which helped. Yeah, Jamie Hayter was like... I, I think uh, meat and potatoes pro wrestling is underrated. And that, like, nothing Jamie Hayter did in this match was particularly flashy, but it was all, like, just good heel work, get the heat, and make Britt Baker look good. This was my first time seeing Jamie Hayter, and I really hope she becomes a staple, because I really liked her here. Yeah, this, like, this is this is the kind of match Britt Baker, I think, really badly needed, because mm. her, her, her last couple of showings in AEW haven't been great. Even, like, the match last week was really good in spite of her, not because of her. And I think this was a good show. It helped. Obviously, she was in her hometown. They did not visit her dental practice, Liam. So Britsburg was all I know, what is the point? But, yeah, this was a good show. You know show what was interesting, though? What was uh, interesting? Like, I get it, because, like, um, the home crowd, whatever. But I was like, wow, you Jamie Hayter's coming in against the ace, with big quotation marks next to it, um, coming in against Brit, and then getting, like, 70% of the offense against her? Hmm. It was just, uh, they obviously have some sort of faith in Hayter. And again, because Excalibur is a good announcer, Excalibur pointed out that Jamie Hayter is Bea Priestley's tag team partner at Stardom, which ties this match back into Burt Baker's pre-existing also, issue with Bea Priestley. A very interesting that they, they talked about Stardom a bit in this match. Yes. I'm very... I'm interesting to see if maybe perhaps that's the the in-route to the Bushi Road. Ah, so so Stardom is the backdoor way into the New Japan relationship is what you're saying. I'm, I'm not saying anything... <laughs> Yes, that is what I'm saying. That brings us to our main event, John Moxley against the Bastard Pack. We had our hey, first... Whoa, 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 whoa. What did I skip by? Oh, yes, I skipped by. Uh, they interviewed inexplicably Jamie Hayter backstage. And they're like, Jamie, what do you think? And then she was attacked viciously by Brandy Rhodes. I really thought we were going to have no more Brandy Rhodes matches. She was always going to be on the show. I was surprised. Like, people were like, Brandy hasn't been on the first four episodes. And it's like... Have patience, young grasshopper. She will be here eventually, and she's uh, she's sure doing a thing. Did you see that she's no longer going to accompany Cody to the ring now? So but basically, it's because Cody's a babyface and she's a heel. What? <laughs> I don't believe that there are heels or faces in this company. There are shades of grey. Cody's a babyface. He's the biggest babyface nope. in the company, and obviously, nope. Brandy Rhodes sticking her finger in her hand in the the. The face of uh, Jan, what's her name? Why did she get mad at Jamie Hayter? Was she just pissed that Cody's in prison? <laughs> I get well, no, Cody wasn't in prison. He was in, in a holding facility in the arena. Oh, really? Okay. All I heard was holding facility, and I was like, "Yeah, wow, Cody's in prison." So he was in fake arena jail. But I was like, "Why did you beat up the poor British girl?" <laughs> yeah, especially after she just lost. The poor girl. I'm back to Hater for one quick sec. I really hope that her and like B continued like continue to team. I don't know they they team. I assume, but I <laughs> I do hope they team in AEW moving forward. Yeah, beat uh, get revenge on Brandy Rhodes for <laughs> needlessly attacking her. 
So what you're saying is you want a Britt Baker Brandy Rhodes tag team? Yes, that is that's exactly what I want in this world. The dream team. John Moxley. Okay, and pa- now you may go to the main event. <laughs> John Moxley and Pack ended in a, the first time limit draw in AEW Dynamite history, which like. In isolation, I have no problem with this match ending in a draw because neither of these men should lose. But it does kind of tie into my re- reoccurring issue with AEW finishes where they're taking easy ways out. But this was a good match and the time limit makes sense. So I will uh, I will let them off one more time. If this is still a trend of them taking easy ways out of big matches on television, I will have a problem with that. It's like you'll keep letting them off until it becomes boring. Yeah. Right now it's still fresh, so they get some leniency, but once it's become stale and played out, then we'll be like, come on guys, give us some finishes. Can you just give us clean finishes in these matches? But yeah, this was, this was a, a, a good, borderline really good, I think short of great match. Yeah, I thought they, they, they went out there and they did a lot of big moves, and it was a fun main event, and Puck scared the crap out of me with that chair shot at the start. Mm. Oh, you weren't expecting it? <laughs> I know, and then it because it, he did it at the same time as the pyro hit, so it was like this <laughs> massive sound, and I was like, "Whoa, wasn't ready for that." He set off the pyro with the chair shot. That's how explosive it was. Also, I was kind of grooving to Mox's theme. I kind of like the din 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 din. I was like, "Yeah," and then just you just got so absorbed in his entrance that that's again. This is the deep story. That's the intent of AW programming to lure you in and then to to usurp your expectations. So we're four weeks in, and. John Moxley. Yeah. Still hasn't, like, cut a promo in the middle of that ring. Well, he had that inset promo, but yeah. Like, why is this man just not talking every week? I, I, well, like, it'll happen. Like, there's no doubt that he will cut a promo on Kenny Omega before Full Gear. And may, maybe it's a better approach to save that promo so it's meaningful. What, like, what would he have to say for the last three weeks? I don't like the Brits. As opposed to roll them out for a big, important promo with Kenny Omega. Is that more meaningful? <sighs> All right, logic, whatever. If they don't do that, then I will agree with you. Like, if, 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 if he goes to full gear without cutting a promo in that ring on Kenny Omega, I will agree. Very stupid move. Garrett, I think you're just being too lenient. I'm too, <laughs> I think I'm you're t- giving him too much credit. I'm too nice to aid. I like this show a lot, actually. I thought, like, this show is the, the easiest to watch wrestling show I've watched in a very long time. It's the first time in a long time that I get excited to watch weekly TV. Yeah, like, this show, like, it's an hour, it's two hours long. It's it's, it's the same length as SmackDown. But, like, this show just flies by. Like, I got to the, the end of the first hour, even before the, frankly, amazing Cody Rhodes segment. And I was like, this show is just, like, there's three good matches. All of them are well-paced. Or, like, there's no nonsense. There's no filler. There's no fluff there. Everything is meaningful. Everything has a purpose. All of the matches were good. One of the matches was great. What what more could you ask for? And then you had the freaking Cody Rhodes segment, which was the best thing on planet Earth. Like, the, one of the best angles in pro wrestling this year. What more could you ask for? I think we've really began to find the different the, dif- the difference between AEW's weekly TV and NXT's weekly TV and its purpose. Mm. Everything on AEW's TV feels like it means something. Whereas everything, not everything, but a solid hour and 20 minutes of NXT's program feels like it has no purpose. Which is a nice segue to WWE NXT on USA Network. And like I said, I really liked the first 30 minutes and like the last 20 minutes of this show. 
Yeah, we had Rhea Ripley against Bianca Belair opening, which I, d- I didn't really care for this match at all. I thought this was just kind of a nothing match. Yeah, but I it was fun enough, you know? Yeah, it was fine. Like, it was fine. And I really enjoyed the interference spot. Well, I would I would have enjoyed it more if it led to a finish. <laughs> it eventually did. They're trying to set up all four women. Do you think we get a four-way? Well, like, what does? how do you get Bianca Belair out of this? She lost. Well, she goes to the main roster and we never talk about her ever again. Yeah, I guess. So yeah, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, probably a four way, but like, does anybody want a four way? This is my brutality. So yeah, EO attacked Rhea Ripley, but Rhea Ripley. The really made cool own, fa- tiger faint kick. It did look very good. Uh, Rhea Ripley made her own comeback and won, and then on the outside, Candice took out EO. And Eo took a bump off that apron that looked like she like, folded herself in half. It I nasty. thought she broke her leg. <laughs> it looked like she died on that bump off the apron. You know what it was? What was it? This was an NXT TV match. <laughs> it sure was. Uh, we had the, the whatchamacallit, British Strong Style, just walking, being pals, walking into the building. Trent Seven wasn't invited. No, he's not. It's like, ah, oh, I brought Tyler, I don't need Trent. I'd really like Dunn and Bate to start teaming up. We need some tag teams in this in this division on this show them against Red Dragon sure would be a good tag match sure would uh, Matt Riddle against Cameron Grimes in a match I actually really like this match I thought this match was really good I really like this match too I thought it was like in the same vein of um, the Bronson Reed match that you didn't like yes but I thought it was very much like just back and forth beating the shit out of each other maybe Matt Riddle's just good at squashes yeah, I, I thought this match had more substance than that match had last week. I thought that, like this was the best Cameron Grimes has looked in a very long time. I did find it funny that they built up Cameron Grimes as this dude that can beat people in like six seconds for three weeks, and then they just had Riddle beat him. I, that's, I was going to say that. I, it's bizarre. It just, it's like, all right, we're going to give him four squash matches. We're going to have him beat people in 30 seconds, which actually I liked that the first thing Cameron Grimes did I loved did the match, opening sequence. That he went for his big stomp, which is he, he's beaten two people with it. And he's a very good touch. But No, not even just that. He went for his big um, stomp and then Riddle turned around and went for the flash knee that beat uh, Cassius Ono in seven seconds. Yeah, so that's, that, that's a good start to the match. But yeah, it's bizarre that like... They gave him four wins just to feed him to Matt Riddle, who's... Like, Matt Riddle's doing nothing on this show at the moment. Also, possibly he might lose next week again. Oh, yeah, he's wrestling uh, Tyler Bate next week. Yeah, why yeah. did he Why did he lose his way into a match with Tyler Bate? He lost, and then he got beat up. Yeah. Well, it could... And then he's probably going to lose to Tyler Bate because Bate's a bigger star. Could he at least, like, get kind of stuck into Bate at ringside and that kind of distraction leads to him losing, which at least naturally pivots to Bate while he loses at the same time? He beat up Bate because Matt Riddle would rather bro fist with Tyler Bate instead of him. Yeah. What do you think about Riddle and the Goldberg stuff? Because now they're acknowledging it on TV. Yeah, they're they're not doing that match in NXT, are they? Are they doing that at NXT TakeOver? (laughs) Like, they surely can't. Do you think Goldberg does that? <laughs> no, I, I honestly don't think he does. And like, yeah, he did the jackhammer in this match, which apparently I think that's but, a, a spot he's been doing on house shows lately as well. And then yeah, Maro was like, not, I don't even care about that as much. The fact that like Maro is acknowledging it by name. If it was any other announcer than Maro, I'd say maybe, but that might just be Maro being Maro. <laughs> also, I wanted to clarify from last week. You asked me what the name of his tombstone was. Mm-hmm. It is the Bro Derek. What, what? What's even the reference? 
I don't get the reference <laughs> at all, so that's why I'm putting it out there. If anyone knows, please tell me what Bro Derek is referencing. Uh, she's proven she's as strong as Jennifer Anderson's Instagram game. A quote from the opening match. Jesus. Um, oh yeah, uh, uh, as a show of disrespect on top of it, uh, that's uh, something Beth said before he popped uh, He popped in and said, Belair will spell that O-R-E-S-P-E-S-T. Hey, Beth. And then she just knows <laughs> She knows-sold it. it. Yeah, she totally ignored it. Uh, and then there was a weird show for Mara because he also referred to her as Bill. Yes, and, and then he's like, uh, I'll pick up the bill and then hand it back to you, which is a Bobby Heenan quote. And he at least he attributed it to Bobby Heenan. He's just, he's just, he's all over the place. What a strange man. But then we got a really cool announcement that the Kabuki Warriors will be defending the WWE Women's Tag Team titles next week. Yeah, they're the first people to come down and then do a guest spot. Or, well, are they? I don't I guess the 205 Live guys are fluid. They bounce between both. The way I'm, t- I'm talking about them now is that they are an NXT division that have their own show as well. Sure. <laughs> but, so, like, who is even there anymore? I need, like, I need a concise list of who is still in that division because Gulak was on SmackDown, Humberto's on Raw. Who is still in this division? <laughs> uh, Jack Gallagher and Brian Kendrick, clearly. Is Brian Kendrick in there? He was on 205, wasn't he? I don't watch 205. <laughs> Uh, we had uh, Isaiah Scott and Brizango against the Forgotten Sons in a match that I'm sure was fine, but I like could not even muster the, the interest to care about it. How about I give you a Mario quote that I wrote down? Did I write one down from this one? I didn't. No, go. <clears throat> Forgotten Sons have been attacking Breeze like the humidity attacks all of us here in the Sunshine State. Oh, I did write that down. Oh. <laughs> no. What? That one is bad. Uh, why, Mauro? Speaking of humidity, it has started to rain. Well, the, you and your weird Australian weather. And that's funny. For a Forgotten Sun 6, man, this wasn't bad. Yeah, it was a perfectly fine match. I just don't this care. This is a pretty fun 6, man. They clearly really like Isaiah Scott. Mm-hmm. Let's actually start pushing him, huh? And stop with the Brizangos. Just let let them be a cool tag. They're too good for this stuff. Let them be a cool tag team. I don't mind it. <sighs> they're they're on TV. Yeah. What do they want? I like the different uh, stripper gimmick each week. I don't like Beth's like playing dumb about it. <laughs> should we? She should be hornier for it. Mm. <laughs> Wait, did you write down her quote? Uh, no. Oh, I didn't either, but it was something about grabbing the throttle with both hands. As one does. Mm. Uh, a Gunner was on the show. He actually wrestled. I was like, oh, it's Gunner. Yeah. We are member- We are also members of the Gunner fan club as well as the Boa fan club. Yes, Gunstorm. They should get James Storm. They, should, they should put together Gunstorm. Whatever happened to the James Storm deal? Was it this that he chose Impact? You would know. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they threw a bunch of money at him at the start of 2016, and he went back. That's as simple as that. And now look where he is. It really worked out well for him. Killian Dane... NWA power. Killian Dane cut a promo over a dumpster fire. Hmm. I'm sure there's metaphors or imagery, some of it. That's the... the, it's It's a commentary on the stage of Northern Ireland under Brexit. That's what they're going for. Speaking of Brexit... Uh, Angel Root Garza against Jack. Oh yeah, there's a British person in the match. That makes sense. There you go. Come on, pick it up. <laughs> I was like Angel Garza and Brexit. 
is is Brexit the UK that's equivalent to pulling their pants off? I mean, in front of the world, yes. And we're all going, woo! Angelgar is another person who's being bizarrely pushed in that he was just jobber's fodder for Tommaso Ciampa last week, and now he's probably number one contender for the Cruiserweight title? Yeah. Uh, of course, in this match, Maro asked Leo if he wanted to spit some bars, mm-hmm. to which Leo politely declined. Uh, bro, he's a rapper, though. He should. He should. Uh, you should have taken that chance to shoot your shot, sing your song, and sell some iTunes singles. He should have actually just done a verse that he has written. <laughs> like he didn't have to freestyle, but he could have just gone into something. Yeah, uh, guards have won. It was, it was a match. <laughs> it sure was a match. I liked that Jack Gallagher got a nice reaction, and it made me feel happy. <laughs> and then he lost. My one note for this, Garrett, mm-hmm. was, what is 205? Who is in this division? What's going on? I'm confused. You poor boy. I just, I want I want something official. <laughs> Give me, a, like, a ranking or something. Well, they've said that all of the NXT people can suddenly start showing up on 205. So you're going to see Angel Garza on 205 Live, I guess. Ooh. Which is exciting. Isaiah Sp- like, <laughs> the, the main issue is, right... With an NXT Cruiserweight title, most of these people are Cruiserweights. Yeah, you can have Tyler Bate just, or Pete Dunne challenge for the Cruiserweight title or tomorrow. Or Adam Cole, your heavyweight champion. Former junior heavyweight ace, Finn Balor. I love Finn Balor. Let's go, let's go on so we can get to the Finn Balor bits. Uh, you know what I, you know what my big, I have a big pet peeve with this show. Everybody, mm. no matter who it is, refers to William Regal as Mr. Regal. <laughs> Everyone is showing respect. I hate like Roderick Strong cut a promo backstage during the show, and he was like, "Oh, Mister Regal made this." It's like you're the anti-authority, like shock the system people, and you're there being like, "Mister Regal, I shall, I shall uh, have deference to you by referring to you by your official title." <laughs> I shall, Garrett. Your hatred for Stephen Regal is showing. I shall bow before you and kiss your ring, Mister Regal. You are royalty, and I shall refer to you by your title. Sir William has had like four good matches in his career. Uh, Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai versus uh, what's the name of those their team? Team Kick, isn't that it? Um, Kickfly. Kickfly. Fly kick. Okay. Uh, also a match. Tegan Knox looked pretty good in this match. That's about my only thought. Tegan Knox. That's what I thought about too. I was like, Tegan Knox is a very good professional wrestler. Yeah, she made the big comeback in this match. She looked real good. And Tegan Knox and Dakota Yeah, she Kai, did a real lame choke slam, but other than that, she was she real good. She did two real lame choke slams. She should, uh, and it's apparently a tribute to her favorite wrestler, Kane. Well, you can, the real tribute to Kane should be to not do what he does and be a good wrestler instead. Real tribute to Kane should be to run for mayoral office. <laughs> mayor, of, mayor of uh, Knox County in Nashville. Future. No, to, run for, to run for mayor of. Wales. Yes, she can be mayor of Cardiff or Swansea or the place in Wales that's the longest place name in Europe, but I wouldn't even begin to pronounce it. Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai will challenge Kyrie Zane and uh, Asuka next week on NXT. I'm Portland. really excited for that match. What music are Asuka and Kyrie Zane coming out to now? Um, they use Asuka's music, I'm pretty sure. Because they had the mashup, but like Kyrie Zane's pirate music is far too baby facey. Did they have the mashup? Yeah, they had a mashup of Asuka. I don't watch the main roster. It was the, like Asuka and Kyrie Sane individually both had two very good theme songs. The mashup was dreadful. I really like the makeup that they use there. Yeah, they look cool. They got a, a promo after this match in Japanese shouting at them. <laughs> they just started laughing at them. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to our main event: Roderick Strong versus Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. 
Uh, I like this match. I thought this was a good match that felt slightly like overkill, but eh, there's worse things in the world to be. The thing is, like, I've just accepted now that NXT is PWG. And they can work overkill PWG, nothing like go-go-go matches, and I will be like, cool, I like to see moves. I'd, I'd be fine if that was one match per show. But again, like if that's the style that's like pervasive in the Trevor Lee and uh, Matt R- Cameron Grimes, I apologize, Matt Riddle match, and even like Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, it's like it, it, it that grates me, that that wears me down. But like this was a good match. I can't give out about this match, even though they nearly died on that Tower of Doom. Oh, it was insane. I had heard about it, and it still like was like, oh no. Because, like, they were hovering in the air there for, like, two or three seconds. Keith Lee somehow managed to, like, land it with some amount of grace without killing everybody. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing was about, like, if I was them, I would have, like, all right, let's move on from that spot and not mention it. But they're like, no, look at this. <laughs> it looked cool, even if they nearly died. <laughs> yeah, that's like, the thing about this whole thing that's going on right Mm -hmm. they are trying very hard to make dijak and lee a thing Mm -hmm. why are they trying so hard to make this a thing because it's an iconic rivalry of the nxt era are they just trying to build up like a category uh not a category they're trying to build up like a history with nxt already they're like we need we need to have like our historical match series our historical top guy our big baby face like is that what they're trying to do here i have no idea what history I think While it, ignoring their actual history? I think it's just they think it's a cool match, and then they keep on doing it. <laughs> Roddy really worked his ass off in this. Roddy was the star of the match. I really didn't like the finish, where Keith Lee hit a top rope spirit bomb, and Roderick just slided, slid in with the kick and stole the pin. It's very lazy. And oh, the I pin- like this finish. It's, it's the, the every three-way finish ever, though. <laughs> yeah, but if it wasn't smarmy, shitty, frat boy Roderick Strong... But it was smarmy, shitty, frat boy Roderick Strong who took the win when he could against the two bigger guys. Also, people just throw Keith Lee around like it's nothing. Yeah, I, well, it's, it goes with the whole, like, just big guys doing flips constantly thing anyway, you know? Like, Roderick Strong hit him in an angle slam, and it, like, it didn't even get that big a reaction. Because everyone does that to Keith Lee now, apparently. Yeah. You know, I got a massive reaction. Um, uh, the, them teasing... Uh, Dijak teasing, uh, suplexing Lee onto Strong. Yeah. The crowd thought Strong was going to die. <laughs> it just looked... Uh, I, I, my, my problem with... People don't make doing cool, big power moves to Keith Lee feel earned. Yeah. Like, like Dijak just does the move. It's like, no, like uh, sell the struggle and you'll get a bigger reaction. Yeah. But I think that's like... With what they've done with those matches, like, can you go back to doing that now? Like, they've already kind of burnt it. I don't know. Like, there's times where, like, they they, they they tease something big, and then he just does something big. And, like, the, the tease gets, like, a, oh, and then the, the actual Ooh. move gets, like, oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They, they, because everything is better in theory than when it's actually happening. I, I think they're on board for, like, the big struggle, like, to, to make it seem like, oh, this is a really impressive feat of strength. And, like, it's less impressive when he just does it. Yeah, but again, I think that's because you've ran this match so much with the guy that should be doing that, so now when other people do it, it's like not as impressive. That's true. Roger Strong retained with the, his, his, his little sick kick. I like this match a lot. I thought it was super fun. It was a good match. 
Like, it's it's very much... Like, every... I feel like I'm just being... Am I too positive on NXT? Is that the problem? No, I, I think this was a good show. I, I think this, the NXT is dreadfully unlucky this week in that they had a pretty darn good show, but AEW is just a tremendous show. Mm. Before we get to, like, the, the deciding who wins. I Honestly, I think Matt Riddle against Cameron Grimes was my favorite match on the show. Yeah, I mean, I see, like, trust me, I, I like the Matt Riddle quick back and forth um, all-out matches. I think they're great. That brings us to our, our big show closing angle. As, as I undisputed, loved this so much. Undisputed Era come out and they're like, we're mean. But then Tommaso Ciampa comes out and he's like, well, I'm also mean. I will fight you. You know what I was thinking while I was watching this? What? This is legitimately the AEW angle that they have ran the last three weeks. It's the AEW angle they ran at the top of the hour on TV this week. <laughs> Except, except there was a twist. Except there was a twist. Uh, Gargano comes out, stands alongside Ciampa, that Finn Balor's music hits, he walks out, everyone's like, oh, it's the NXT heroes against the Undisputed Era. But then Finn Balor hits, honestly, the world's best Pele on Johnny Gargano. <laughs> I I had been spoiled that Finn turned. Mm-hmm. But I still jumped up like, wow, I didn't expect it to be like that. The way he nailed that bicycle kick, it looked it looked phenomenal. I love the implications of this turn too, because it doesn't read like, oh, Finn's joining Undisputed Era. It reads like Finn really hates Johnny Gargano. Yeah, he didn't even attack uh, Tommaso Ciampa at any stage. He just yeah, went after he Gargano. He, he doesn't like Gargano because like, he was this... Finn was the babyface ace of the company, and yeah. then Gargano came in and took his spot, and it's just, ah, oh, that's so great. Yeah. At least, at the very least, I have, I have some qualm... Like... There, there, there's a small whiff of desperation off of it, and it, it feels a little oh, big swerve. But it like is a well executed turn, leads into Gargano and Finn Balor, which is a fresh and hot program, and then Finn's a good heel, as we know from his Bullet Club days. I'm just glad that we're getting Finn as a heel because we haven't had that in WWE at all. The thing I'm most glad for out of this is it's like, oh look, NXT has has a, has a pulse. It's it's still alive. <laughs> There were, yeah, the, exactly. When, like we said, right? Purpose. Yeah. We needed purpose, and this has given finally some purpose to the main, to the main feuds. You know what I mean? It wasn't just week to week building to which person is he going to fight. Now it's like, oh, there's actually something happening. Yeah, because last week when I last watched last week's show, I was like, what are they doing? Like, there, there's nothing to that show. Or is at least this mm. week, there's a big talking point, there's a hot angle, there's a main event program, there, there's juice there, there's some meat in the bone, it feels alive, as opposed to just, like, as much as I liked uh, Cameron Grimes against Matt Riddle, that match is meaningless. <laughs> it's just it's just yeah. a good match for the sake of a good match. This, this is meaningful and purposeful, and something is happening, and I hope it's not bad, and I hope Johnny Gargano doesn't look at his hands. <laughs> I, He looks at his hands, and then... And then Finn just looks at his hands, but his hands turn to his little pew-pew guns. <laughs> I hope he brings back the jacket. Oh, he brings... I, you know, I flipped out. It was such a dumb, shitty little fun thing. But whenever, when he did the little gun signs at him, and then I did, someone from the crowd just went, Prince Devitt! I was like, yeah! You just wanted to go back to New Japan, don't you? I want him to go back to New Japan so bad. But I'm positive, and I like this, and it was fun, and Prince Devitt's really cool. Alright, match of the week. Mm. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I looked... See, I rate all these matches as I go so I can kind of have an idea of what I want to do at the end. Mm. But I have two at the same rating. 
Whereas I'm like, I'm probably lower on the North American title match than most people. Yeah. So that's at the way. I think most people would between that and Lucha Bros and Private Party. But I'm probably slightly lower on Lucha Bros and Private Party than most people too. Yeah, they're my two choices, right? Like, are they your final two as well, or do you have the Cameron Grimes match? You know, I'm going to give it to Matt Riddle and Cameron Grimes, because it's a five-minute match that I enjoyed a lot. I'm going to give it to Private Party Lucha Bros, because that's probably the match I'm more likely to go back and watch. That's a fair assessment. Show, which show was better? This week, I honestly, like, last week I thought NXT was dire. Like, it was the biggest gap it's ever been. And this week, I think NXT are unlucky because AEW just produced, like, a top-to-bottom, very nice, easy-to-watch, great wrestling show. And NXT was a good show, but not quite as good as AEW. So I vote AEW. If NXT had a faced... If this episode of NXT had a faced a number of the other Dynamite episodes, they may have given it to NXT? I think last week I would have voted NXT, definitely. Mm. But we had an... We had... To be fair, I think we had two really, really good angles, all right? I really don't want to diminish the NXT's final angle because it's almost, if not on the same level as the Jericho angle. But Dynamite was such an easy watch from start to finish. I didn't have a time where I wanted to stop, wanted to go do something else. I just I sat there and I loved the show. This NXT had a lull, so I have to give it to Dynamite. Mm, and as usual, our, our fan vote agrees. 67% to 30. That's ba- it's basically 30, or 66-33 every week. I really, I always think it's a bit, I thought the other weeks were a bit more of a gap. I thought this was a bit closer. Last week it was like 70 something. So yeah, they've, they've narrowed it a little, but of the 174 votes, 67% were AEW, 33% for NXT. So that's a, a, a 3 nil victory for AEW once again. Can NXT bring it back next week with Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox versus Oscar and Kyrie Zane for the WWE Women's Tag Team titles, Tyler Bate versus Cameron Grimes, and Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae? Uh, perhaps, because the only match we know for Dynamite next week is Lucha Bros against SEU. For the for the tag titles. For the tag titles, they're going to have the first ever AEW Tag Team Champions. What a fun week where I'm actually excited for both shows as opposed to just being excited for one. Indeed. Uh, before we go, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, if you find me, you find me. I'm out there. <laughs> you say, and with such defeat. <laughs> I know. You don't have to follow me. I'd rather you follow the at WarGamesPod. There you go. Uh, if you want more AEW discussion of more than just the television show of AEW Dark, of all AEW pay-per-views and all fun AEW business stuff, uh, Everything Elite is the place to go every Thursday night. If you want more WWE discussion of Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, NXT UK and NXT, Shake Them Ropes every Saturday is the place to go. You can find me on Twitter at GaryKidneyG or ETTKIDNEY. You can find us, as Leah mentioned, on Twitter at WarGamesPod. Bye-bye. Bye!